How's it going? Good, good. Um, John chapter 9. We'll be in John 9 today. Uh, we're going to read the whole chapter. So if you didn't read your Bible last week and don't plan on it this week, we're about to get it in for you right here. Um, John 9, it'll be verses 1 to 42. Um, once you're there, let's stand together for the reading of this. you're visiting with us, um, we've been standing together uh, for the reading of scripture for the past few uh, months, actually, to, to, to remind ourselves that um, our God expresses himself and speaks through the scripture. So, so we stand not because we worship the book, but we stand because we worship the one who, who, who speaks through the book. And so we stand to recognize that and remember that and to say, this is the word of God to us. John 9, starting in chapter, starting in verse 1. Uh, as he, Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it wasn't that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Um, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had uh, seen him before as a beggar were saying, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, it is him. Others says, no, he just looks like him. And he kept saying, no, it is me. So they said to him, then how were your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said, where is he? And he said, I have no clue. And they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus had made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees asked again, uh, how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus is definitely not from God for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others said, how could a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division even among the Pharisees, even among the religious leaders. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he's opened your eyes? And he says, he's a prophet. The Jews didn't believe that he'd been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say uh, was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, but we know this, that our son, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we don't know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age, he'll talk for himself. His parents his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, uh, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone would confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. This ain't just a building they were put out. They weren't just banned from the church. They're saying you can no longer be a part of this religion that worships the one true God if you confess Jesus as the Christ. So his parents are like, we don't know nothing about this. We don't want any part of this. Uh, and therefore, his parents said, he's of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. Um, when I was younger, my grandmother, I used to live with her and she used to say, uh, tell the truth and shame the devil. 
this is the opposite of that. They're saying, tell the truth and give glory to God. Tell the truth about Jesus, for we know that this man's a sinner. And so the man says, look, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've told you already and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples also? And they reviled him saying, this guy's got some guts, man. <laughs> and they reviled him saying, no, you're his disciple, but we're disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. And the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. I think there are two stories in the Old Testament of a blind person receiving their sight, and neither of them were born blind. So this man is speaking from historical fact. Never, be- never before has it been said that anyone's didn't done this. If this man weren't from God, he could do nothing. So they answered him, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us? And they cast him out. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? And he answered, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you've seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, with the Pharisees in sight, these religious leaders are probably there now, having seen this. And Jesus looks at them and he says, for judgment, I came into this world. That those who don't see may see and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, so are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, if you are blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see your guilt remains. Father, we thank you for your word. Open our eyes, open our hearts, speaking to us. You work, you do miracles with your word. So do a work in us today. Amen. You can be seated. Um, I want to title this um, two things. Um, normally I uh, try to walk through the passage from start to beginning. I'm not going to do that. I want to take the big themes and give us the thrust of this passage. So, so in light of that, as opposed to naming this sermon based on the specific miracle, I want to name it based off of the call that I believe Jesus gives us. Um, in this passage through the mouth of John, I believe Jesus is telling us to choose your character. He says, choose your character. Um, I get that, I get that title because there's, there's what looks like a contradiction in verse 39. That gives us insight into what Jesus is trying to do through this passage. Did you catch what I caught? John 9:39, Jesus says, For judgment I came into the world. Um, have you ever read John 3:16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe would not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17: For the Father didn't send the Son into the world to condemn or to judge the world, but to save the world. So John 3, Jesus says, the father didn't send me to judge the world. John 9, Jesus says, I came here for judgment. What happened in six chapters? Did he change his mind? Did 
did he end up having enough arguments with those Pharisees? I'd be pretty annoyed by him too. Do you think he, he had enough arguments with them to where he was like, you know what? I'm burning the whole thing down. I came for judgment. <laughs> what, what's going on here? Let, let's go to work. Let's go to Greek class really quick. So John chapter three, Jesus says, I didn't come to judge. That's a verb. Cream no. It means the act of deciding. I did not come to decide. John chapter 9, I came for judgment. That's a noun, krima, the result of a decision. So he says, I didn't come here to decide. I came here for the result of a decision. I didn't come to no decide for you. I came for the krima, the result of your decision. Well, our situation here is you've been approached by the director of a movie who's just said you've been cast to play in a movie that you already know how it turns out. He says, I'm not going to choose for you. I'm just here so I can say action so the result of your decision could play out. You could either be Harry or you could be Voldemort. You know how the movie ends. Choose one. You can be Mufasa. You can be Simba. You know how the movie ends. Choose one. You can be T'Challa. You can be Killmonger. You know how it ends. Choose one. He's saying, I'm not choosing for you. I just came down here so I can say action. And that decision would play out. So, so, so what Jesus is doing here is he's saying to us through this passage, it's your choice. Choose your character. Uh, what he'll end up doing in the, in this passage is he'll give us two characters to choose from. And so what I want to do is I want to lift up these two characters that we can choose from. But before I do that, I want to give us the context of this choice. So I want to give us the context of the choice and then show us the two characters we can choose from. So let's start with the context of the choice. Um, John says Jesus, he's probably walking out of the temple after just getting into it with the religious leaders. And they see a man laying there begging because he's been blind all of his life. So Andrew says, teacher, who did what to get homeboy right there? What? Was it his mama who sinned? Was it his daddy who sinned? Was it him who sinned? And Jesus says, it's not that anyone sinned. Listen to me, sidebar, be real careful about assuming that someone's in a bad situation because of their sin. You search the scripture and the scripture will say that the whole world is broken generally because of sin, but, but the world, the scripture says nothing, gives us no aid into knowing how to discern what specific sin made someone's specific situation turn out specifically like that. And the minute we start walking around ascribing sin to someone's situation, we start playing a game God didn't make us to play. Maybe it's their sin. Maybe it's their mama's sin. Maybe they were sinned against them. Maybe life just happened. We don't know. It's not our job. So Jesus says, it's not that anyone sinned. It's that the works of God might be displayed in this man. You see that man there born blind in that bad situation? God intends to go to work in that situation. This is something Jesus declared over this specific situation, but the scriptures would convince us, Romans 8, 28, for God works all things together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose, that, that this is a declaration for all of God's people. God intends to go to work in any and every situation. This is a sermon that we ought to preach to ourselves. This is something that we should keep in our back pocket for a rainy day. When hell or high water breaks out, we just say, God intends to go to work in this. 
you've been sinned against. God intends to go to work in this. You've been hit by a Mack truck of an unexpected event. God intends to go to work in this. Here's good news. You've sinned. God intends to go to work in this. You messed it all up. God intends to go to work in this. Our, our hope in win and loss in good and bad, among other truths, our hope is that God intends to go to work in this. So Jesus says God intends to go to work in this. And this is one of the few signs where he gives us the meaning of the sign before he gives us the actual miracle. He gives us the, the meaning when he says, I'm the light of the world. Uh, the light of the world, that, that means that Jesus, he's the revelation of God on earth. Um, have you ever been outside in the dark, probably at night, sitting out with your friends, uh, and y'all are trying to talk to each other, you can't see a thing, so the person talking uh, puts a flashlight up to their face? Or, or the old camping things where you used to tell scary stories with a flashlight up to your face so people could see you? Jesus is the light that the Father shines on his face to show himself. The, the, the father sent Jesus into the world. And as Jesus shines by speaking and doing, it's revealing the father to us. Jesus displays the father, shows us the father, manifests the father. Jesus reveals the father. So this is the meaning of our sign for today is that Jesus reveals God. And then we get the actual miracle. It says Jesus found the man. He, he spits in some dirt, rubs it together, makes mud puts it all over the man's face, tells him to go wash his face. He goes and washes his face, and he comes back seeing this man who'd never seen in his life. Never seen in his life. Is now walking around town on his own eyesight. John, John tells us this man was born blind. Um, that word blind in the Bible has two different connotations, the physical and the spiritual. Uh, this man was born blind. Jesus healed a man born blind. John's using that as a double message to tell us that Jesus heals people who are spiritually born, who are born spiritually blind. All of humanity is born spiritually blind. Uh, my wife and I, people ask if we have kids or I'll go somewhere, preach somewhere and and they'll expect you to do the thing where they'll tell you to put your family up there. And I'll tell them, look, we don't have kids. We got two dogs. Um, Roscoe and Tank. My boys, uh, I want to kill Tank sometimes. Um, sometimes I sit back and I think about how Roscoe and Tank, they can see, but they can't see. Um, I learned dogs, I believe they, they're only able to see blue and yellow and variances of blue and yellow. So they can see, but they can't see. They can see my shoes, but they can't see the red on my shoes. They can see my shorts, but they can't see the orange on my shorts. They can see our TV, but they can't see some of the colors in the TV. They can see, but they can't see because they're colorblind. This is a picture of humanity, uh, God-blind humanity, if you will. We we can see, but we're not born with the ability to, to see. I, I see the world around me, but I'm not born with the ability to see God working in the world. I see that I woke up today, but I'm not born with the ability to see the God who woke me up. I can see, but I can't see. All of humanity is God is born God blind. Listen to me. Your gut reaction. Your natural intuition. Your own construct about God. It's probably wrong. You, you think you just kind of know who God is. Wrong. You think, you know, Naturally, what God thinks about a situation, 
Friends, the scripture knows nothing about that statement. You think you just know what God feels or you know God's will? Wrong. That's real news. Here's the good news. Jesus is the light of the world. No longer do we have to form our own constructs and try to live out of our own understanding of who God is. To those of us who are generally just trying to get an understanding of God, he reveals the Father to you. For those of us who want to know, what does God think about this situation? What does God want of me? How does God feel? He is the light of the world. This is the top topic of conversation in the New Testament is that Jesus is the embodiment. He is God. He reveals God. Uh, John says, no one has seen God, but this one who's at the father's side, Jesus has made him known. Paul says he's the image of the invisible God. The unknown author of Hebrews says he's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Paul says the God who said, let light shine out of the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts that we might know the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He makes the father known. No longer do we have to walk in the dark. He's, he's the light of the world. So, so that's our context. Our context is that Jesus has come to this God-blind humanity and revealed the Father to us. And here's the choice we have between in that. He gives us two characters to choose from within that context. Here's the first one. The first one is represented by the Pharisees, the religious leaders. What John's doing in John chapter 9 is he's giving us a real-life parable. Uh, All of the characters in this uh, story embody a way that we can live life now. So the first are the religious leaders. Uh, They're the character who sees but becomes blind. The one in John, and the one who Jesus talks about at the end of this chapter where he says, for judgment I came into this world that those who see may become blind. Uh, Did you see how this character played out throughout this story? The absolute unrelenting certainty they walked into this situation with and held on to throughout the whole situation. As soon as they see the man born blind, we know Jesus isn't from God. He broke the Sabbath. Didn't even ask a question. We know God listened to Moses, but not this dude. We know he's bad. You're born in sin. They knew what they knew, what they knew, what they knew. And those of us who are looking at them from this side of the story knows they really didn't know much. You ever walk down the street and saw in the concrete someone wrote something in the concrete or someone put a handprint there when the concrete was still wet? Just sit and think, what happened for that concrete to go from impressionable to unimpressionable? I'll say the right kind of wind, right kind of air, right kind of temperature. You know what happens. What, what it takes for a mind to harden that way and become absolutely unimpressionable? Certainty. That this attitude of unrelenting certainty will take your mind from impressionable to unimpressionable um, by the part of Jesus. He, he's trying to impress the knowledge of God on you, but that unrelenting uncertainty is making it kind of hard. You approach the scriptures with the attitude that I already know this about this, so I don't need to know much more about this or about this. You'll only continue in ignorance about this and this. 
You approach a situation. I know what God wants in this situation. You're going to go through that whole situation ignorant. Oh, 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 seasoned saints. Those of us who've been with Jesus for a while. Listen to me. Listen to me. Beware of holding on to extra biblical traditions and thought processes. The Pharisees, their, 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 their whole certainty was rooted in what they believed religiously. They said, we know this man is a sinner for he breaks the Sabbath. Exodus chapter 20, God said, keep the Sabbath, make it holy, don't work on the seventh day. It took hundreds of years for this group of people to form definitions and pictures of what they thought work was and work wasn't. So by the time Jesus is on board, what God said about work was not their definition of what work was. And they held on to it so closely. They clung to it so tightly that they were closed off to Jesus. All because they had a tradition that came from human brains and not God's book. Listen to me. Hold loosely to your thought processes that come from human brains and not God's book. Cultural thought processes, societal thought processes, political thought processes, religious thought processes. Listen, stuff can sound real religious. It can use Bible words, but that don't mean it's biblical. If we hold on to this stuff, we will miss everything Jesus is trying to show us now. So, so, so hold it loosely. Well, the first character Jesus shows us are those who see but actually become blind. Unrelenting certainty. And the second character that Jesus shows us is those who are blind but see. This is represented by the, by the blind man who ended up seeing. This is who Jesus says, for judgment I came into the world that those who are blind may see. I want you to get a load of two things that, that were happening throughout this man's time in this text. First, did you notice how fast he was to say, I don't know? He gets healed. He's walking around town. What happened to you? Somebody healed me. Who is it? This dude named Jesus. Where's he at? No clue. Take him to the Pharisees. What do you think about this man? I don't know. I don't think he's a sinner. I don't know. You think he's a prophet? Maybe. Who is the son of man, Lord? He's admitting ignorance, showing ignorance throughout this whole thing. But did you also see his progression of understanding? Who healed you? Some dude called Jesus. What do you think of him? I think he's from God. What do you think of him? He's a prophet. What do you think of him? Lord, I believe in you. Step one, some dude called Jesus. I don't know. Actually, he's sent from God. What do you think of him? I don't know. Huh? He's a prophet. What do you think of him? I don't know. Lord, I believe in you. While he was holding on, while he was admitting his ignorance, simultaneously he was growing in understanding. This is a character that's quick to admit. I don't know. I go through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru and it's when I admit to myself that I'm lacking that I open up my hands to receive that good Chick-fil-A sauce. It's as we go through life and admit to ourselves that we're lacking, that we actually open up our minds to receive the revelation that Jesus is trying to give us. Listen to me. Jesus has redeemed ignorance. 
We live in a society where ignorance is one of the seven deadly sins. Where when we sense ignorance, we sense shame. When we see someone's ignorant, we give shame. We, we try to cover up and compensate for our ignorance and sound smart and fake it till we make it and consume as much as we can just to not be ignorant. And Jesus has redeemed it and said, no, that place of ignorance is the perfect place to receive revelation. You don't know God? Great. Perfect place to know God. You don't know what God wants? Great. You're in the perfect position to know what God wants. He's absolutely redeemed ignorance. This is who God is. Jesus has been saying this about God since he came on the scene. Luke 10, he says, Father, I thank you that you've hidden these things. You haven't showed these things to the wise, to the certain, but you've revealed them to the little children, those who are unknowing. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who know they don't have a knowledge of God within themselves, for they'll receive the kingdom of heaven, the revelation and the work of God on earth. He says, take cheer, little children, for it's the father's good pleasure. He desires and has decided to give you the kingdom, little children, those who don't know. God has always given knowledge to the unknowing, always given knowledge to the unknowing. He absolutely embodied this. The climax and crescendo of this was on the cross where God gave all of his love and showed all of himself and showed all of his power. And it's that same cross that Paul spends all of the uh, first or second Corinthians, first Corinthians talking about saying those who knew the wise reject the cross because their mind was already made up about God. Of course, God wouldn't die. Of course, he wouldn't do that. And so he'll turn from the cross. But it's those who say, Father, I don't know that he revealed himself to through the cross. He's given knowledge to the unknowing. I think our call would be to to move from compensation to confession. Stop stop compensating for your ignorance and start confessing your ignorance. I'm not saying stop trying to learn. Please read a book. We need it. I'm just saying we don't have to try to compensate when we don't know. You don't have to fake it till you make it. You don't have to try to sound smart. Listen to me. You don't have to say anything. But I don't know. Those of us who who, 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 who don't have a relationship with God, listen, I don't know. And he'll show himself to you. Christians, we go through life. And we want to know God's will. I don't know. The moment you confess, Father, I don't know, is when he starts revealing what he thinks, what he wants, is when he directs. Christ Church, we don't know. We know he's got good. We know he wants good. We don't know. We don't know what he wants us to do exactly. We don't know what to do each step. We're not going to fake it like we do either. We're not going to live off of assumptions. We're not going to live off of preconceived notions. No, no, we're going to sit in the spot of, I don't know, until he shows us something. This is our story. Uh, I've heard this story earlier, a few years ago, and heard it again this week, that 
at some point in our church's history when there was some shuffling around and trying to figure out what to do. And some people here said this should be this kind of church and this should be that kind of church. One of the leaders got up on a Sunday and said, look, we don't know. We're just going to open up the Bible and whatever he shows us in the Bible is what we're going to go through, go to. We're not living off of assumptions. We're living off of his revelation. So these are our two characters. The, the, the one who sees but becomes blind and the one who's blind and will eventually see and he says it's your choice. Really quick, there's a third character in that story. Really quick, then I'm going home. Um, so they kicked the man out. And I told you when they kicked the man out, they, that means they completely excommunicated him from the religious community. And in a sense, they were saying, you're barred from God in general. And it says Jesus went and found that man. Jesus found that man. Right after this, John chapter 10, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. That comes from a prophecy in Ezekiel chapter 34 where God says, I'll seek out my own sheep. I'll be the shepherd. So what Jesus is doing is he's acting out this prophecy. Uh, The good shepherd going and getting his sheep, bringing him to himself and bringing him to a greater understanding of himself. In an all or nothing polarized society, the uncertain will be kicked out. Things will happen and there will be those who are certain and there will be those who say, I don't know yet. And the certain will demand a word, demand a response, demand an action and will not tolerate anyone who thinks or says otherwise. So if you are if you live in this place of I don't know, listen, I just want to warn you, the certain will probably push you away. Some of y'all lost some friends and family last year because of politics, because of the certain. Some of y'all have lost some friends this past few weeks, Christchurch specifically. I have. Hence the, I don't know. But there are the certain who said, we do know, so you got to go. Listen to me. Jesus will come and get you. David says, though my father and mother forsake me, God, you never will. He says, I will seek out my own sheep. So as we're in this place of I don't know, it might be uncomfortable. We might end up alone. But Jesus is coming. And he'll bring us in.